guys. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another fantastic day for an interview. And this will be a very cool interview for so many reasons, because I've got Brenda Hershey with me. Brenda is a woman who has figured out the close link between trauma and problems in the body. So there's the old saying, um, the issues lying the tissues. And that's often quite a nice thing to say, but what the hell do you do about it? Okay, so Brenda has developed a special interest in that. And guess what? Um, she is not just a woman who's sort of theoretically thinking about it, and maybe doing something about it. No, she is going in there because Brenda is actually based right now in Iraqi Kurdistan. She is a, an author, a humanitarian, and she is the founder and president of Tri Global. And we were going to come to that in a second, but I'm so excited to have Brenda with me. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. <laughs> there are certain places that probably most people don't really know where that is. And <laughs> probably many people who know probably don't really want to go there. Um, how the hell did you end up in Kurdistan, in the Iraqi part of Kurdistan? Great question. So when people ask me this, I often say that I didn't choose Kurdistan. Uh, Kurdistan chose me. So I was actually finishing my master's degree in uh, Greece. Uh, I did my last semester there doing my thesis on trauma-informed community development in refugee camps. So I was teaching TRI, trauma recovery yoga, to refugees there. And that was actually my first interaction with the Kurdish population, period. So uh, I was living in the city center and there was a, a big protest there because there was some uh, situation with Trump had pulled out of Kurdistan and uh. something. So there was a, a really peaceful, but big protest. And that was my first interaction with the Kurds. I kind of attended and just observed. And a few days before I left, so this was just like a month after, and that's when I started asking, like, who are the Kurds? Like, what's <laughs> going on there? And a few weeks later, it was about three days before I was leaving Greece, I met a man in the laundromat, and he was saying, uh, we, we started talking, he was really interesting, uh, also doing humanitarian work. And uh, he said he had just left the Kurdistan region of Iraq, and they were looking for someone to fill his position. So I should send my my CV, and <laughs> and that's what I did. And a month later, I was here. So <laughs> that's the priceless, story. priceless. And sometimes you just have to take opportunities and challenges as they come along. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and be open. Your masters. What did you write that in? What What was that all about? So uh, my bachelor's was international relations, and I specialized in peace and diplomacy in Arabic. So I speak some Arabic. And uh, then my master's is in community development and action, which I got in Chicago. So I was really fortunate to be able to do my thesis in Greece uh, and really be on the ground, which was just foreshadowing right. what I knew I was meant to be doing in the first place, what was to be on the ground with people. So... Wow. Yeah, that was my, that's my education. Was that, was that all, always your vision to help others? Or how did that all come about? Was there an influence? Are your parents uh, missionaries? Or have there been anything, any, what, 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 what transformed you? What, what planted that seed? Mm, good question. Um, since I was a, a little kid, I imagined myself abroad, helping people, like serving in some capacity, but I didn't really knew, know what that looked like at the time. And I didn't know anyone who had, like I'm from rural Ohio, so it's like only white Christians, there's no diversity, like none of that. So I really craved that growing up. And I didn't know anyone who traveled outside of the US until I was like 18 years old, like I went to college. So so I, I had this really strong vision, but I, I was continuing to piece together what that would look like for me um, throughout my early adulthood. 
And then uh, a few years ago, I was introduced to Trauma Recovery Yoga, or TRI, which was a company based in the U.S. And that's when I really was able to marry these passions of serving people um, who had experienced trauma and yoga, which had been so healing and so powerful in my, my journey. So to marry these two things and to have the science that backed it up really connected a bunch of dots for me. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting because there will be two kinds of people in this world. Those who have actually tried yoga in one form or the other and those who have not. Those who have not have got all the cliches and prejudices and whatever kind of, you know, sure. tree hugger kind of, of attitude. And, and they are forgiven for thinking, well, here you go into actually maybe a bit more volatile part of this world. And you're practicing yoga. Are you nuts? You, you must be, there must be so much better ways to spend your time, i.e., maybe doing psychology, maybe doing talk therapy. Why the hell would this this focus on the body be of such value? Uh, great and very common question. Um, so what we, one of our mottos in TRI is that we speak science, not Sanskrit. So we take out any of the, I mean, undeniably, and uh, not that we want to, uh, to diminish the roots of yoga and the spiritual roots of yoga and, and the history of it. None of that. We just don't share that in our classes and there's no spirituality whatsoever. So, uh, and not only that, but then we teach it in a very tutorial way. So as we do neck rolls and we breathe, I say, as we breathe fully and, and move in this way, we tone our vagus nerve, which helps to bring balance back into the nervous system which helps to calm our body which calms our mind so like weaving this science talk in in a way that Mm. can be received by our participants is something we really push and and is really well received here so that's that's one big uh big reason why people are so accepting of it here I even just uh, co-facilitated a teacher training here. So we trained 10 Kurdish government officials to become trauma recovery yoga instructors. So even the government's on board when we can speak their language, you know? Yeah. So that was one, one piece of your question. And I think it is so, so beautifully answered because most people, um, I probably a little bit misguided when it comes to yoga and you think some ashram and some, and in all fairness, I mean, when you say, you know, kiss the sun or whatever the, the different poses are called in the traditional things. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay. It can sound a little bit strange, but having said that, I love the way you take it back to those things that essentially drive us the yin and yang within us. And that is mm-hmm. the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic yeah. nervous system is the, the fight and flight. What keeps you alive? If you find yourself suddenly walking in front of a bus you either quickly get out of the way or you fight this bus and you probably lose, okay? Just just a bit of a tip there. So that's your adrenaline, saves you all the time. But hey, you know, if you go on all the time adrenaline, well, guess what? That's exactly what happens to someone who is suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorder, where you've got your adrenaline switched on all the time because you're constantly exactly. looking over your shoulder. You're constantly... You know, you're constantly hypervigilant. And you get you, stuck in this, in this stress state, and, and that affects every the functioning of every system in your body. Exactly. And, I, and for people, at, sorry, for people in recovery, for people who have experienced, um, you know, who have been displaced and are living in extreme poverty and are mm-hmm. faced with discrimination every day. So the people we're working with here, they're also very easily stuck and totally unaware um, that their nervous system is working in this way, or even to have language or an awareness around uh, any of this that we're talking about. So that's what we try to weave in and not only give them these simple but powerful practices that, that we're doing with them, uh, which we can talk about more also, like what even exactly that we're doing, 
um, but also to, to have this slight educational component. So they have an understanding of, of what's going on, why they feel better, how they can incorporate or integrate some of these tools into their daily life. So, And how yeah. powerful this can be. You're giving yeah. a choice back to those people who were exactly. who feel powerless, helpless, often worry about their their well anything finances. Where's the water coming from? Will there be shelter? Will there be food? How long will I be here? Uh, what's my uncertainty? What's the well? Everything is uncertain basically. So if mm -hmm. you think about your the 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 pyramid of needs and you look down there at the very bottom, the survival kind of stuff. Well, that is all in question for someone who is either internally displaced or a, a refugee outside of your country. So it is, these are, these are uh, brutal times. These are very scary times. And now if you suddenly bring peace and calm and serenity, even for a few moments, now that is gold. Yeah. That is beautiful. And can you imagine, can you imagine just in a normal relationship and suddenly money is tight? Can you imagine that there will be rows and fights between mommy and daddy and that the children may be not so happy? Well, guess mm -hmm. what? Now, <laughs> put that on steroids, okay? It's not just the money that's not there. Maybe no food, maybe no water. Maybe now uh, literally threats to the human body due to um, extremism due to people who don't like you whatsoever. So here you are. And suddenly to give them this power that you do, well, that's gold. Actually, Where you hit the nail on the head with this. So choice is one of the pillars of try because no one has a choice in their trauma. Hmm. You know, your choice is taken away from you. So that's the only rule we tell people is to exercise their power of choice. To do what feels good in their body, what feels good in mine might not feel good in yours. Mm. So listen to your body, make it your practice. Mm. You make the rules. And we remind them of that throughout the class. So once, and it's the same sequence every time. We do this yoga class. We have it for uh, men, women in a chair, um, for children. And we also teach like breathing practices, uh, guided meditations, all of course are trauma-informed. So with whatever we're teaching, we are reminding them of their choice and it becomes really empowering. And you can see the transformation if you work with people for even a few weeks. You know, the first time people are, they can be uh, more concerned with the, the physical practice because th these are people who have never seen a yoga mat, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but then after even just a couple practices, because we're practicing the same sequence, if we're doing a class, uh, to see the, their journey moving outward, inward, and exactly to your point, to what we're doing is fostering a, a sense of safety and security in their bodies. You know, they don't have to take any pills or any powders. Like, it's just their tools that are already within them. And to... Uh, provide an opportunity to to tap into that and for them to feel that it's just um it's so fulfilling i get full body goosebumps just thinking about the those moments in the class mm. when when you see that in their eyes they're just like oh maybe the first time in years that they notice their breath mm. uh so so yeah it's simple but profound oh please and if you're on adrenaline, I mean, just just look at the state that you're in. Mm. Hello, breathing, constantly exactly. looking around. And when you use yoga, when you use actually mindfulness, when you use certain breathing techniques, that is exactly the opposite. Instead of breathing up here, fluttering like a little bird, you're actually taking the whole the whole body and, and I, I can't wait to do it in a moment with you uh, but I, I, I need to ask more questions I mean first of all please teach us about the Kurds um, what is the main religion uh, in your area are we talking Islam or are we talking Greek Orthodox what is or a mixture mm, yeah this is very uh, all of the nuances of culture and religion and language it's so interesting here and so multi-layered 
Right. But mainly we're working with Muslims. Okay. And then uh, a large Yazidi population. So Yazidi oh, right. is, uh, mm. yeah, you've heard of the Yazidis? Yeah, please, please explain. I know, but please explain to us. Uh-huh. Actually, I, I didn't know before I had come here because I've, I've been working with Yazidis uh, since I came, but they are an ethno-religious minority, uh, the largest behind Christians in Iraq, uh, which is a surprisingly very diverse country for anyone who doesn't know. Um, but they, their homeland, their historical homeland is in northern Iraq, and they were... So ISIS committed genocide against them in 2014, uh, claiming that they were devil worshippers and, you know, taking different uh, phrases from from the Quran and, and manipulating them or interpreting them. And so they committed uh, genocide against them, and hundreds of thousands were displaced uh, to to the region where I am now in northern Iraq and in Kurdistan. And so still. Thousands and thousands live in camps. So this is um, eight years later. Wow. Uh, many have have traveled abroad, and it's it, it's really dispersed this community and and broken it uh, in many regards. And at the same time, it, it's such a resilient community. I think that's worth that's worth saying. So it's mainly Yazidis and Muslims that we're working with. Yeah. Does the the Islam, how does the Islam deal with something that is potentially uh, a Hindu practice? Um, are there are there conflicts? So here, so far, we have been welcomed with open arms, and I, I like I said, I really speak the science. I yeah. emphasize that part of it yeah. because it's a mind body therapy, mm. you know. Uh, and we still get to touch on like how trauma lives in the body and why we have to use the body in order to give someone an opportunity to really process what's stuck mm. in their body. Mm. Um, but yeah, with the science, it's been very well received. We did, like I mentioned, we actually had two recent tri teacher trainings here. So it's a 20 hour training where we teach all the science and we practice and we have them teach each other. Mm -hmm. And it's the first kind of training of its kind here that we're aware of, that anyone's aware of. And, beautiful. and so we had lots of, uh, it, it was really beautiful. And we had plenty of conversations around, ah, oh, well, maybe the name of this like sun salutes, uh, maybe because it says sun, I thought it was the the salutation part that there was question around. And I learned later it was the sun part because there are some religions here that worship the sun and Muslims want to steer very like clear of that. Yeah. So there was these different things that came up. There were plenty of really organic and um, uh, groundbreaking conversations. I'll Beautiful. say Beautiful. around these things. Yeah, so we made notes. We'll adjust some things, but generally speaking, like it, mm. it was great. They were really curious, and mm. I'm excited to to keep learning how to integrate this in a more widespread manner oh. here. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, draw a parallel to the AA to the twelve step system. Um, the twelve steps they originally were were created with a Oh, with the necessity to stop drinking. That was really what that was. Now, that was the 1930s in the US. And essentially, the people who, who founded the, um, the 12 Steps, they realized that really, in order to sell that, you need to be Christian. So they need to be God in there. Um, and that was really it. And actually, in fact, the, the founder of the, of the AA, was actually not Christian. He he his wife is clear to say no, he he is not. He he didn't really buy into it, but he was a good salesman. So therefore, that is why nowadays the, it's there. And the only yeah. reason the AA meets in churches is because you get cheap rooms there, basically. So let's be quite uh -huh. clear about that. And um, so the reason I'm saying that is, is there is this sometimes this friction between people like me 
who don't believe really in God. Um, and now suddenly we shall pray and, you know, God grant me the serenity. And, you know, it grinds a little bit to start off with mm -hmm. until you realize someone then comes along and says, God, you know, this could be a group of orderly drunks or a group of druggies. Um, and then suddenly you realize it's not really to do much with God. It has to do with the power of, of a community which is helping each other. And there are certain steps you can go through to actually go in a guided way. So suddenly, if you're willing, if you're willing to make it work, you can make it work. And as I love it to hear from you. And, and just before any anyone says, oh, you're going against the Muslims and Islam. No, 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 I go against any religion. Don't worry. Um, like the Christians, <laughs> I've, I'm, married, I'm married to a beautiful wife who has found Jesus Christ. And she uh, confronted me recently because I'm, I'm doing yoga and I, I do flexibility yoga more. And so she actually uh, said, no, no, yoga, no, 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 that's, that's a devil's work. And I said, what? And I said, yeah, yeah, because it's all about, you know, sun and, and you know, um, chakras. That's, no, 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 that's, that's if you want to have, have, um, have relaxation, you need to find God. And I thought, nah, nah, doesn't work with me. So therefore, okay, so I've, I've insulted Islam, I've insulted uh, Christianity, who have we missed? Okay, so <laughs> let's get it all out of the way. <laughs> no, actually, you bring up a really fantastic point, which is and another one of uh, a philosophy that I really try to embody here is to meet people where they are. So personally, uh, I think it's so easy, especially like I grew up with kind of extreme Christians and and here there are extreme, like quite a few different groups. So it's really easy to feel like that. Uh, I felt resentment for a long time. So I, I've come though to, um, to see the value and I have my own kind of concoction of, of spiritual beliefs, but, but a big part of that is finding the value in different religions, finding the practices that work for me. And, and I think that really helps me in facilitating these trainings, because regardless of the beliefs, and there's always like one or two people that a bit are a bit more extreme or outspoken mm. or, you know, in any training or group, mm. uh, this is the dynamic. And I've come to appreciate that and to kind of use that to find like, huh, that's, that's really interesting. Okay. Who else is thinking like this? All right. How can we find the value in that? How can we tie this to this? Um, so to kind of use that to, to orchestrate a, a deeper understanding than even maybe I had going in. And yeah, and to use that to, to speak to the people, because maybe one person says it, but 75% of the people are thinking it. Yeah. And I tried to use that also to humble myself and you know, I'm not just the, the white savior coming in. I don't know everything. And even though I've been here for quite a while now, <laughs> and I'm really very familiar with the culture and mm, yeah. the belief systems and all of that. Um, yeah, to, to continue reminding myself to mm. meet people where they are mm. and to speak their language in all of the ways uh, that I can, because it's not about me. It's about it's really about them. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, is, so it's, it's a journey, though. <laughs> oh, hell yes, and a huge challenge. Um, how, mm -hmm. how, uh, I know I've, I've, uh, I have got some Turkish acquaintances, and, and so I know that um, there is, uh, there's not necessarily such a strong uh, male versus female kind of, 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 a uh, power struggle going on um having said that i mean how do you experience it in the classes when you teach a men's class um what happens do you wear a, you you will probably not wear a burqa but I mean, do you cover your hair do you how does it work for you mm, yeah this is a great question and it gives a wonderful insight into Kurdish culture because it's quite different in some ways than the rest of Middle Eastern culture, Iraqi culture even. Um, so I have not taught an all male class here. 
uh, I've had men and women mixed in, in trainings and classes. And mm-hmm. of course I've taught plenty of all women's classes, but, uh, generally speaking, uh, we, women have a choice here to wear a hijab or not. If you go deeper into like family dynamic, there might be more of an obligation for them to wear it. But culturally speaking, like it's a woman's choice. Uh, women drive. There are definitely societal expectations of women to be staying at home and taking care of children and stuff like mm-hmm. this, um, fulfilling like a woman's role. But uh, there are plenty of Kurdish women working and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, so in terms of me showing up and teaching a class, I can show up just as I am. Um, sometimes I wear leggings, not that are like too revealing, uh, but otherwise like I'm wearing sweatpants Mm. and Mm. I can wear, you know, a t-shirt. I can show my arms, whatever. Um, so, so yeah, it is quite different than, for example, if you cross the border into Iraq, exactly. uh, yeah, personally, I would need to be wearing a hijab and mm-hmm. I would need to be more careful about just going about my day to day. Not that it's okay. all uh, that it's all dangerous, like in the rest mm-hmm. of the country, but um, you just you need to like watch your step a bit more. I think. Indeed. Indeed, Rod. And that's the beautiful thing. So I guess whilst you are in an interesting part of the world, uh, Mm -hmm. Kurdistan or well, that part of of Iraq that you live in, we we shouldn't call it Kurdistan. There is no no country Kurdistan. There's the the Kurdish people Mm -hmm. who are basically displaced and are living over an area, sort of five, five different countries. Uh, and ideally that's where they they consider their home to be and just Mm -hmm. after the second world war things were just sort of sliced up Um, and there you go Um, so having said that it is actually a beautiful beautiful scenario a beautiful setting that you describe more importantly it, it seems to be that people focus on what is important i.e. not maybe necessarily cultural norms, but rather dealing with the trauma, dealing with the problems that people mm-hmm. have experienced and uh, using a pragmatic approach to get yeah. better. And that's uh, yeah. that's so nice to hear. I hate extremism it's- with a passion. So to hear a pragmatic, yeah. hey, here's someone who wants to help. Why don't we give it a shot? Hey, I don't like the sun. Okay, that's fine. Let's work around it. I love it. I love it. Crisis uh-huh. resolution, crisis uh, um, conflict exactly. resolution in in a most yeah. beautiful way. It really is. It has been so refreshing for me. Um, and even working with the Kurdish government, hmm. uh, there were they were really specific in a lot of ways, and it was a bit more challenging to coordinate with them than it would be like any other organization. Mm. Um, and so I was really like rolling with the punches. I was like, okay, like what, what can we be flexible on? What can we not? Mm. And, and in the end, um, the general director of, and the, the branch of the government we worked with, they have a, a mental health, they have mental health institutes all around the country. They have a presence in every refugee camp. Yeah. And in the end, after all this coordination, right. That's, that's where we need to be. That's where we, we get to be. Um, and that's where I see our expansion moving. Mm. And in the end, after all of this coordination, the general director was like, I know uh, it's different coordinating with us, but we really do want to have more of our staff trained and to have you uh, doing more capacity building with us. So let us know how we can continue coordinating moving forward. And that was just a really beautiful, um, and you know, like maybe to some degree, he's just, you know just saying what he needs to say to continue it. But I really felt that they do see the value in this, and they do want to continue, and they want to figure out what will work for us and, and what won't, and how we can meet in the middle to to make this happen. Beautiful. So 
it is really refreshing. Yeah, because these are, I mean, authoritarian systems that uh, have been in place for a really long time. It's all about the hierarchy, about power, and and in many ways that trickles into society, and you see that on a regular basis. So to have someone in such a position to, you know, express it in this way and to see the value, like in the people to hear it from them, I was like, mm. he's like, how's it going? And I was like, it's going great, but ask the participants, ask your staff. Good, but, good, yeah. Yeah. Um, is re- yeah, it's really, uh, what a it's challenge. Really something, uh, isn't know? it? Isn't it? <laughs> but you're yeah. not just, you're just, not just, you know, just Middle East, yeah, Middle East is easy. Now let's take on Ukraine. Okay, because you have got your eyes set far afield because you wanna you wanna make this world a better place. Uh, and that's why I'm so intrigued about you and your mission. Tell us a bit about that. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we are, let me just first uh, touch on the project. So. We are planning a project in Ukraine. We'll be based in Lviv, which is about an hour from the Polish border. And what this will entail is facilitating some of these 20-hour teacher trainings and providing community classes. So we don't only want to go there, like me, go there and teach to displaced people in the city. And, and by the way, Lviv, the population has about tripled. It's really a critical access point, both for humanitarian aid coming in and for displaced people leaving Ukraine. So there's a lot of opportunity for us to to teach the classes to people. But we also want to really um, to build systems that are sustainable, empowering, and accessible. So to train locals to continue teaching the classes long after we've gone. We also have everything translated into Ukrainian, almost completely finished. Uh, So all of our written content, all of our classes and video content broken down piece by piece. Um, so, so yeah, our, our base is, is here in the Middle East. This is where we're continuing to, um, to expand and to integrate into, into society. And then this project in Ukraine will be through our crisis response team. So we deploy to areas around the globe impacted by disaster and and my my vision is to you know just reach even a few people in these crisis situations and allow them to like i said before foster a sense of safety and security in their bodies mm. and to to recalibrate their nervous system during a crisis mm. i mean when we undergo trauma we know certain parts of our brain are are either turned off or weakened and that includes our prefrontal cortex which is our executive decision-making, um, higher mm. functioning. So if you're in a crisis situation, you're in survival mode and you might not be able to, to make um, a, a healthy decision. Or you know, to, if you're mm. faced with a fork in the road, like you might not have the ability in the moments um, because your, your amygdala is just still sounding the alarm system in your mm. body. And so to help people find their breath um, and, and to, to find a, a, a bit of inner peace really is, is the vision. And that's one person at a time, one breath at a time. So, But it's that, also one uh, gesture at a time. Whenever you are in, whenever you are lost, the smallest gesture can mean so much. And for you to give that gesture of help, gesture of help, the the kind of I teach you how to fish, not just here have a fish. It's the same principle, and that is beautiful. So that is, I was, I ended up in in rehab. I was drinking far too much to to numb my PTSD, numb my depression, etc. And one Sunday. Uh, the nurse came to me and said, you've got a visitor. And I thought, what? Uh, I knew my, my family was not due to come up that weekend. And and the door opens, and there was an anesthetic technician that I was working with um, at the time in the hospital. 
And Eva ever wanted to get me to come to church with him. And I said, look, thank you, no. But he made the, the three-hour trip, came up to me to sit with me 20 minutes and just talk to me and then left. I will never forget that, that gesture of him going out of the way to, to just yeah. be there for me. That is, that is, that is beautiful. And you're doing exactly that. And you're helping other people to, to see that, that beautiful thing, experience that, and maybe do the same for others. So there is this snowball effect there. There's this kind of snowball who hopefully turns into yeah. an avalanche. And that is exactly what we want to achieve um, in, in such a scenario. We can Actually, make this that's, work. That's Ladies beautiful. first. No, no. Uh, I was just going to say that's really beautiful. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that's kind of my experience with this on a deeper level, like one level deeper, because every I was teaching uh, the first chair classes I ever taught was in Chicago in the basement of a church to at an event to moms who had lost a child to gun violence on the south side. Wow. Yeah. And it was uh, maybe a three, four hour event. And I had my own room. And the idea was that the moms would come into the room throughout the event. And I would teach like one class at a time, just back to back classes. So I had set up the room with about 20 chairs. The first time I'm I'm teaching. Um, At at any one point, I only taught one or two. So, you know, you can imagine I have this big room full of like empty chairs and just, I mean, so even the vision of it as as I picture it now is so symbolic because, and there's only ever one or two people sitting in front of me. And this experience, and I think I taught like eight classes that night. And this experience really solidified for me that if I ever have one person come to a class, that is exactly who is supposed to receive this today. That is a success. And and I have not had a shred of doubt in my mind every single class that I've taught since then, maybe five years ago, that if one person comes, perfect. I teach as if I'm teaching to 100 people, you know? And so on a deeper level, whenever I personally am teaching a a class online or here, I really, um, I really try to be intentional about showing up and seeing each person as they are. And, and if it's one person, perfect. Because that this might be life changing for them, who knows? So just show up my best every single time. (laughs) So if we all were to just do that, just show up (laughs) intentionally, would that not change our lives? And guess what? 80% of success is showing up. I had the best talks, the best interviews ever at times when I thought, oh, so don't want to know talk to someone just go away give me an excuse not to talk to you and suddenly you you think wow what is happening what is what is going on um you're taken for a ride here that that you had no way of predicting and it's beautiful so just Mm -hmm. actually showing up with intention and being there that Mm -hmm. applies to you in in your relationship Maybe just actually being intentionally there um, with your partner, with your children, actually spending time there. And now I go one step further. So imagine you know how to breathe and you know how to do yoga. And you could, of course, sit all around the table with your devices. Or you could actually try, hey, you know what, guys, we do yoga now. Shall we do together? Can you imagine that suddenly you you create a community? You people uh-huh. think you're nuts to start off with, but suddenly you're changing. You're taking again. You're taking action. You're taking a choice. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So just 100%. This, exactly. So here you are. You are just starting. Uh, maybe just planting those seeds, and who knows what is growing out of it. If you were 
to look at us here now and i mean do you want to give us an, an uh, a taster do you shall we do a bit of, of yoga here shall we do a bit of a of a do you want to guide me a little bit absolutely yes actually so before we uh, start then i will give you a little um a little uh, 101 as to why uh, what this will be we'll we'll do it for maybe uh three four minutes let's say and, and why it so great i'm glad you asked this um so we'll do a little self-regulation for resilience or srr and this is really the foundation of all of our practices and what srr is well it's both reactive and proactive meaning that it helps us recover it can help us recover from the physical effects that trauma can have on us. So mm. headaches, fatigue, digestive issues, restlessness, you name it. And it's also proactive. So it helps us simultaneously build a higher level of resilience. Um, so with that, let's do it. And then we can talk about it afterwards. Cool. Okay. So wherever you are, unless you're driving, eyes open as we do this, um, but it's find a comfortable seat. Let your hands rest on your legs. Drop your chin toward your chest. Either close your eyes or you can focus on one point, soften your gaze and breathe in and out of your nose. Taking a few mindful breaths here, letting your shoulders melt down. Noticing here any sensations in your body, in your mind. Not labeling good or bad, just noticing. Coming back to that next inhale. We'll practice a little self-regulation. Starting with orientation, which is just finding yourself in your space. So engaging our senses. First, notice three different sounds you can hear right now. Counting to yourself. Maybe you can hear your breath. Hearing the words, I am present, I am peaceful. And now really feeling your connection with your feet to the floor, your sit bones on the chair, maybe your weight against the back of the chair, moving into grounding, which is literally just noticing your connection to the ground. Feeling the weight of your hands on your legs, feeling everywhere you're being supported right now. Hearing the words, I am grounded, I am supported, I am strong. We notice what's happening around us. Now we'll notice what's happening on the inside. Oftentimes post trauma or crisis, we might find ourselves off center, which could look like reacting unconsciously rather than mindfully responding. So now we practice bringing that energy back in, finding our center. We do this by engaging your abdominal muscles and inhale, sit up a little taller. Exhale, press all the air out, pushing your belly button in toward your spine. We'll do that two more times as you engage your core. Inhale, exhale. One more time with your breath. Maybe feeling a little heat start to build here. This is your power center. Hearing the words, I am centered, I am powerful. Breathing naturally again and moving to the last piece, which is your breath. We can't breathe in the past or in the future. You can only breathe right here, right now. So asking yourself, am I inhaling or exhaling right now? And just tracing that next inhale and in through the nose, the throat, into the lungs. Trace it back out. Do that a few more times. Noticing here if your breath is stopping in the lungs or if it reaches the belly. Not changing anything. 
but knowing that when we breathe solely from the chest, our body is telling our brain that there is stress or danger present, even if there's not. And the way we break that stress loop is by taking a few breaths from our belly. So placing one hand on your stomach. On your next inhale, trying to allow the breath to reach the belly, feeling it rise even just a little bit. Exhaling, do that two more times. As our body tells our brain, I am okay, I am breathing, I am safe. Bringing your hands back to your legs now, breathing naturally again. And just noticing here any difference in how you feel in your body and your mind from just a few minutes ago without even moving our bodies. This is just practicing a little mindfulness. Inhale, exhale. Again, shoulders melting down. And whenever you're ready, slowly blinking your eyes open and coming back to the space. Thank you. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I like that style of meditation. There was not uh, not a single deity harmed in the making of the last five minutes. Um, this was uh, just very nice, calm, parasympathetic stimulation where a calmness comes over you. And it's like, it's like when you go to a gym the first time around, you have no idea what you're doing. And you look at these weights and even the smallest one you can barely lift. And guess what? After a month in the gym, you suddenly feel more comfortable with it and becomes more natural. And, and you actually figure out, hey, this is actually quite cool. And you get better in it. And it is really, really beautiful because suddenly you can actually use that to your advantage, even at moments when you're maybe a little bit more scared. So if you practice it just exactly. in the calmness, and now if you if you become a bit better in it, and then you actually can use it when really your mind is going nuts and you think, oh my God, um, mm -hmm. it is beautiful. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> and actually that was, uh, that was my, my trauma story was one of resilience. So I had been working with Tribe and teaching the classes for about six months. And I was studying trauma. It was connecting so many dots for me. And I was teaching for about six months. And then I, my, a series of big traumas happened. So I was uh, flying to Guatemala. We were about to land. I was going there to teach Tribe to women and children in Guatemala City. and. We were about 10 minutes from landing. I got a message on my phone that my dad had unexpectedly passed away. And he raised me as a single father for a huge chunk of my life. And it was totally unexpected. He'd had a heart attack. And I, I couldn't get out of the seat with, you know, seatbelt lights on. And I felt my body start to take over. You know, it's involuntary. And anyone who's experienced any kind of trauma, I think, can uh, can empathize with that, you know. So to have an awareness around what's happening in your body, and to find your breath. So right away, I noticed I'm holding my breath. So like, mm. okay. And and I started. You heard me use the I am affirmations. We use them throughout all of our classes. And the only ones I could I was reciting to myself were. I am okay. I am breathing. I'm okay. And, and I was reorienting myself. I'm counting the windows on the plane. I feel the seatbelt on my stomach. I'm like, okay. And I basically walk myself through this practice. We just did like different pieces of it. And only because I had built up this level of resilience unknowingly was I able to in a crisis situation, use them and therefore process like I felt this rush of energy move through my body and I also had the blessing of other people's stories 
So I knew a woman who I'd been working with through Try who was sitting down and this big trauma happened for her and she wasn't able to stand up straight because the all of this this uh the hormones let's say if we're speaking science it's like stress hormones flooding your body it stayed in her hips so she did i think it was like 2 years before she could really fully stand straight so i'm thinking as i'm sitting in this chair like buckled in like okay breathe like nothing's staying in the hips no or it's going to process through and and essentially just be really really present in my experience and six weeks later uh i got a call at starbucks that my sister passed away um and and the theme was that because totally different experiences um yeah in, in so many ways but again i was sitting in starbucks and i found my breath i felt my feet on the floor I, you know, like these things that seem so simple um, that we weave in throughout the class. So I mentioned it's the foundation of try. So in the kids classes, we do the same thing, but it's more energized. It's more fun, but we are giving them an opportunity to actively regulate themselves. And imagine if we, my vision is that we have a world of resilient people, you know, not where everyone's living a life of recovery but you know to start to make this shift of of we we have the tools when the thing happens you know and so that's that's, a, that's, that's nice. so powerful that's beautiful and that's a great vision that is not a dream that is a vision and you have turned it into a mission because you're taking action you're actually going out there and thinking well how can i make that happen and that is beautiful that is and that is, uh, I take my hat off here, uh, Brenda, you're an amazing woman. Um, and I wish you so much that that more people will come on board. Also more people to donate their time as well as their money. Because, I mean, you're basically, you're an NGO, uh, do I assume uh, as such? And um, are you a charity? Uh, yeah, we're at a charitable, a charitable nonprofit. Yes. Mm. Um, which basically means you need money from other people. Um, so if, <laughs> so we come to that in a moment, guys, so get ready, put out your credit cards uh -huh. and, you know, we'll accept all major credit cards. <laughs> no, kidding. Don't go anywhere just yeah, yet. That's right. That's right. No, no, that's <laughs> all cool. Uh, the, no, I think that the reality is it is uh, what you have just done with the two of us and, and hopefully other people have joined when they were listening to that hopefully the, the the viewers and the listeners had the same experience and having said that it's a bit unfair because i've done it quite a few times before so therefore i very quickly got into my rhythm etc as i said uh initially the first time around you feel like it like an idiot you think what do you mean breathing i know how to breathe what she's talking uh -huh. about yeah it is yeah right exactly so you don't know what you don't know um so yeah. so but then that is something that you can practice and and one one nice vision that has helped me uh, was to imagine the um the air as being like water and my body like a, a big amphora sort of an old-fashioned roman vessel kind of thing and where you actually pour the the air in and it needs to go first down to the bottom so actually let your your the air go all the way down and then you breathe it back out so it is whatever works for you whatever little yeah you know exactly trick works do it and you will mm -hmm. you will start a journey that probably will lead you to very interesting developments having said that we too are talking about uh about yoga and those things we have we've acknowledged we both are there the problem is that many people they don't even know that they have undergone trauma their mind has somehow built constructs that say, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, it just happened to me. So what? And I'm getting on with it, not even realizing 
that their chronic back pain, their chronic uh, leg pain, their chronic whatever it is, um, is actually to do with trauma. It is actually to to do with the emotional pressure that they're either still under or have been in the past. What would you say to these people? What? How do you catch those people who don't even know that their mm -hmm. physical pains are to a large degree or to a significant degree at least um, contributed by their emotional trauma? Well, first of all, I think it's so common and I'm so glad you brought this point up because I always like to emphasize that our bodies are wired for survival to start. So our bodies are amazing, but if we are unknowingly stuck in this, um, or, or our, our mind has filed away a traumatic memory, you don't know how many people I've worked with and I've heard about who didn't remember that they were sexually abused as a child because it's so traumatic that your, your brain is incredible. In order to protect you, it files that memory away somewhere where you can't access it until you, you explore different healing modalities. And mind-body methods are one of them. Uh, and for I'm going to go with the cliche, the body keeps the score. If you haven't read the book, uh, check it out. But the body remembers you know, we trauma is a physiological experience. And so it works from the bottom up. It, it first affects the body. Like in my experience, I felt this rush of stress hormones, like move up, and then it will reach the, the brain of logic and reasoning. And it will kind of shut that down so that you can prepare to fight it to confront the danger or to run away, or to freeze. But that's a, that's another story. So um, yeah, trauma is a physiological experience, and therefore we absolutely have to use the body when we we want to recover from our trauma, when we want to start really processing what residue that has left in your body. And so I always emphasize here as well, because, you know, kind of everywhere, but especially in the Middle East, meant like psychological support and it's highly underdeveloped. They're just now like there are some international organizations that are, um, you know, that are pushing for this and it's becoming more of uh, an accepted uh, kind of treatment. But it's still, uh, you know, I think in 2014, they developed the first psychology department in this country oh, at, wow. in a university. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, the first yeah, so so even people who um, are graduated psychologists, like you know, they we still need. There's it, it's mm. just new. Mm. So there's a lot that comes with that, and yeah. I, I just always emphasize that this is not a replacement for talk therapy. The talk therapy is absolutely essential, um, and people are are have are starting to pick up on that here, but mm. you you have the top down and you need the bottom up. You need this full comprehensive approach in order to give people a, a real opportunity to process some stuff because a lot of that can't be accessed in words. You have to include the body in order to turn some of these parts of the brain on to activate them so that you can even put words to something. So. Very true. Yeah. And the other thing I would like to emphasize to people out there you when we talk PTSD, when we talk trauma, you don't necessarily have to see your best friend blown up into pieces in front of your eyes and fearing for your own life. Yes, mm -hmm. these are the kind of cliches or these are kind of the, the extreme scenarios, but trauma is so common and uh, different scenarios, different situations can mean very a very traumatic experience for one person, whilst the person standing next to him or her um, is saying, yeah, what are you all about? 
you know, okay, yeah, happened uh, yeah. kind of thing. We see that with major road traffic accidents, motor vehicle accidents, uh, if you're pretty smashed up, well, the chance of PTSD is 30% or thereabouts. Um, Mm-hmm. We certainly know that with sexual assault and with with rape, um, and the, it's such a huge number of women. When you look at it, who have suffered that fate, it's it's yeah. still mind boggling, and so on, and so on, and so on. So we are mm-hmm. talking about something and thinking, yeah, yeah, that's somewhere somewhere over there. This person, me, uh, me, never. The reality right. is, I haven't been in the war. It can't ex- be. Exactly. I can't be suffering the same thing. Or exactly, my educated yeah. guess is no, guys, no, don't fool yourself. <laughs> Why do I say that? Well, my PTSD it was staring me in the face for decades before I actually really three years ago it suddenly clicked that mm-hmm. many of my symptoms and many of my problems were PTSD, and. I felt a bit like an idiot, actually. <laughs> it took me such a long time. But it just shows that, that you know, it is what it is. Trauma is there and it sits in your body. And here you are. You've, we've today talked about it and we talked in depth about it and we played with it. We talked, we actually, we, we showed you some exercises. So was it really so painful? Yeah, educated guess, no. And maybe you actually mm-hmm. felt good doing it. So why not maybe go out there and try to find maybe a, a local group that that practices this kind of form of, of yoga? Um, having said it, um, you have got a specific trauma focus, and that makes you yeah. quite special. So if people actually want to want to link up with you and want to learn more about try, where do they need to go? Where, what have you got? Yeah. So you can go to try T R Y global.org and you can reach out to us there. I love to collaborate and bring this practice to as many corners of the world as we possibly can, because like you said, it is quite unique. Mm. There is trauma-informed yoga, but we use a special combination of mm. the breath, the movement. We weave in the self-regulation mm. throughout the whole class, uh, and it's it's quite trauma-informed as well. So there are a lot of different um, aspects to that. We also weave in visualization. Like you said, one of the breathing practices we do is we uh, imagine filling up like a three-part breath with water <laughs> from the bottom, yeah. Yeah. so you got it. Uh, and affirmations, and it's all based in science and psychology. So you can go to the website, reach out. We also have our crisis response team. So if you happen to be in an area of the world where uh, we could come meet you and train people there, uh, we would be honored to do that as well. Yeah, or, uh, you know, just reach out and we can find a place, find your unique skills, a, a way to channel them into this mission. Guys, look down there into the description of the video and of the podcast, because we've got all the details there. More importantly, we have got a call to action um, here, because at the moment you're thinking about the Ukraine, about helping a very realistic, huge number of internally displaced people um, and potentially now leaving the country. You, you want to help. And in order to do so, you need money. So you have got to go fund me page, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Tell us. So the, the link is below. Um, mm. But we need your help to go to Ukraine to really meet people where they are and to give them these tools to, again, foster a sense of safety and security in their bodies as they continue to navigate this unpredictable and tragic situation. Uh, and, and what that really means is we're helping them recalibrate their nervous system and to to bring certain parts of their brain back online or or to, you know, give them an opportunity to reclaim their choice and their power to some degree in uh, in a crisis situation. So in order to do this, we need your help uh, and we greatly appreciate anything you're able to to Beautiful. 
Yes. <laughs> so check down there. And now is the time that you actually can, whilst you're checking down there, A, um, press the subscribe button on my show because I've got some amazing guests. I mean, here, look at Brenda for crying out loud. This woman is changing the world, literally one yoga session at a time. I love it. I love it. Secondly, you might as well uh, like today's video uh, or podcast here. And then you might as well go down there and maybe think, you know, it is, you can help make this world a better place. And mm. why not? Why not go out there? And Brenda, you're an amazing woman. Thank you so much for coming onto my show. Uh, you truly honored me. And you, you make a, a concept actually very palatable um i struggle with with overly religious kind of of uh, things for you to talk science and bring it down to to very clear logical kind of terms that speaks mm -hmm. to me and there will be many people out there who love that so thank you very much for making a, a, a maybe maybe confusing concept very easily accessible mm. cool thank you this was so enjoyable thank you for your time <laughs> absolutely and you guys out there go out there look after yourself but live with passion bye mm.